This is Tailgate Till May, part of the Believe Podcast Network. If you love college sports and you like to have a little action on the games, then this is the place for you because I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I love both of those things too. We have a big week 12 in college football ahead. We got feast week ahead in the world of college basketball. It's a great time of year if you are a college sports fan. Maybe I overstated that it's a great week 12 because this is traditionally when the SEC has Cupcake Saturday, the SoCon Challenge, whatever you'd like to call it. The SEC decides they're going to give themselves a little bit of a break before they have rivalry week against a lot of the ACC teams in the last week of the season. Florida State's getting in the act this year as well. They have a a little bit of break between Miami and uh, Florida to wrap up the season here. So missing out a little bit. The SEC did try, I think, this year with the Georgia-Tennessee game. Give us a little bit something more. But a lot of the teams that you're used to hearing about on a week-to-week basis are just kind of out of the picture this week because they're not playing anybody that's really relevant. So, you know, we got that going on in week 12 but there's still a lot to look forward to it's still a full day of college football and there are not too many of these this is our second to last full day of the year yeah conference championship day is great yeah the bowl season is great but nothing quite compares to a full day of wall-to-wall college football action and we only got a couple of them left so let's cherish them and let's get right into week 12 this week Uh, and we'll start at the noontime slot here so there's not I don't think there's one monster game this week. I think Oregon State, Washington is probably the biggest game of the day. But there's a lot of other games that uh, I think are interesting, but not monster games of the day. And let's start at the noontime slot here with Michigan, the number three team in the latest college ball playoff rankings, going to College Park to take on Maryland. They are coming off that big win over Penn State. Uh, Michigan and Jim Harbaugh have decided they are done fighting the Big Ten's punishment, the Big Ten's suspension of Jim Harbaugh. They are just going to give in, let it be. He's going to sit out these next two games, and then if they can beat Ohio State, he will coach in the Big Ten championship game and beyond. And this is going to be my first play of the day. And, you know, if you guys have been listening to the show, you know that I'm pretty brutally honest about Maryland, that I'm pretty brutally honest about my Terps. I said I couldn't do it myself, but that Penn State-Maryland bet Penn State minus eight or eight and a half or whatever it was was I thought the easiest bet out there for that week and so I am not a Maryland homer by any means when it comes to betting on Maryland games I'll tell you when I think Maryland has a good shot and I'll tell you when I think they're going to get smoked I thought they were going to get smoked against Penn State for a variety of reasons that I laid out but I think this one's different I am going to take Maryland plus the 19 and a half in this game of all the big 10 teams. eh, shouldn't they've had some good games with Ohio state closer games with Ohio state too. I just always feel like Michigan is the one that Maryland might actually get at some point because of just the style that they play. They play lower possession games. Obviously uh, Penn state has all the recruiting and regional reasons for just 
putting it to Maryland every year. I don't think they're ever going to be, there's never going to be a letdown for Penn State when they play Maryland, as long as James Franklin is the coach there and he relies so heavily on the DMV for recruiting purposes. I don't think they're ever going to let down. Michigan and Ohio State can let down against Maryland. And this is kind of your classic let down look ahead spot for Michigan. They come off that win over Penn state. There's so much emotion. I mean, anybody who watched the post game interview with Sharon Moore, uh, their OC and acting head coach would have thought that something a lot worse happened to Jim Harbaugh than just being suspended for three football games. So much emotion goes into that game. They go and get a big win on the road in Happy Valley. And now they have the game next week that's going to really determine if they can accomplish the goals they set out at the beginning of the season. Michigan has a two-game season this year, which happens to happen to occur in two of the last three weeks of the regular season. Everything up until November was essentially preseason for them. This is a team that has goals of winning a national title, winning the Big Ten title, doing it all. And they are going to determine whether they can do that with that game against Ohio State next week. So this is a classic letdown look-ahead spot. There's also all that emotion of Harbaugh. And then from a Maryland perspective, they have not been playing great right now or recently. But they kind of bounce back by getting a win and getting to bowl eligibility against Nebraska in one of the ugliest games I've ever seen Maryland play, a 13-10 win over Nebraska. And this is going to be Talia Tungavailoa's last home game as a Terp. And say what you will about Talia Tungavailoa. Overall, he has been a provided a net positive impact on this Maryland football program. Yes, he can make some soul-crushing mistakes at times that really kill games or kill the potential upset uh, upset potential. I, I think back to that Ohio State game. Yes, sometimes you're wondering, like, why did he do that? Why didn't he just throw it away? Why didn't he tuck it and run? Uh, but on the flip side, if you've watched Maryland football, you know the dearth of quarterback talent they've had in this program for so long. And he is clearly the most talented, most accomplished quarterback Maryland has had since at least the early 2000s, at least the early 2000s, back when Ralph Friedgen really had things rolling at Maryland. So this is a big game for Talia, his last game at Maryland, uh, his last game with a lot of these guys, Jay Sean Jones, one of Maryland's top receivers is also, it's going to be his last game. These are, these are two guys that have played together forever. I think there's going to be a lot of emotion on the Maryland side and a little bit of that magic needed to maybe not pull out a win here, but at least cover that 19 and a half. From an X's and O's perspective, I think, I mean, Michigan's going to run the ball down Maryland's throat, but I think that actually plays to the advantage if you're betting that 19 and a half because it's going to be a low possession game. I think Maryland can generate some explosive plays. Uh, that's what Talia does. That's what Leah do does and has done his entire time at Maryland. Yes, he'll throw in uh, a big pick, a big sack, a big mistake every now and again, but he can also do things that most Maryland quarterbacks were not able to do. And he can kind of keep you in a game like this. He might, he can keep you in a game like this and uh, he might be able to throw you out of a game like it too. Last year, Maryland went on the road to the big house and uh, really competed against Michigan in a big spot early in the season. Just couldn't, couldn't quite get the job done, but I, I was impressed with the way they competed last year. And if you look back at last season, 
for Michigan. This is a very similar game to what they had a season ago when they went, uh, when they had Illinois right before the Ohio State game. They scraped by Illinois a 19 to 17 win. Of course, that was a very good Illinois defense. That Illinois defense is much better than this Maryland defense, but I think this Maryland offense is also much better than that Illinois offense, or at least can create more explosive plays than that Illinois offense could. So uh, I like the Terps here, plus 19 and a half. Like, Like I said, I'll tell you when I think Terps are outmatched. I'll tell you when I think they're going to get blown out. This is not a homer pick here. I I just like the value on Maryland here at plus 19 and a half. Moving on to probably the biggest game of this noon time slot is Louisville. 9-1 Louisville, number 10 in the country. They're going to be playing an ACC championship game against Miami, and they are going on the road to play the Miami Hurricanes, who gave Florida State really all they could want a week ago. And Miami in this game is actually a, well, depends where you look at it. This line's kind of all over the place. Miami, some places, is a one-point favorite. Miami, some places, is a one-point dog. Uh, it's a pick elsewhere. Either way, it's a close game. It's expected to be a close game. And this is a game that I feel like is the classic game that Louisville and Jeff Brom, not so much at Louisville, but at Purdue, might lose. And Louisville this season has had an unreal season. Can't say enough about Jeff Brom. Can't say enough about what he's done. Can't say enough about how much excitement there is around that program right now. But Louisville has not played a lot of road games this season. They've only played two true road games this year, believe it or not, at NC State where a super ugly game, I think it was a Thursday night, maybe a Friday night, I can't remember. It was a weeknight game, for sure. And they scraped by NC State in that one. 13 to 10, wasn't pretty. Their other true road game, they got beat by Pitt, a Pitt team that has had a, a horrific year. I think Louisville is a very different team on the road than they are at home. And, you know, it's not that Miami has the world's greatest home field advantage. I feel like I've said this a lot recently. It's about not playing at home, not having that crowd behind you, not having the comforts of being at home. And Louisville is going to have to go on a road and face a Miami team that look this Miami team. I know they got some uncertainty at quarterback right now where they bench Tyler Van Dyke against Florida state. Now they're going to have to play him again because of an injury to Emory Williams, their freshman quarterback who did not look great in that Florida state game. But this Miami team, I, I truly do think they're better than that six and four record. I mean, we all know what happened in that Georgia tech game with Mario Cristobal. Uh, I I think this Miami team still has some talent. I think this Miami team can go out and win this game. And I am going to take Miami plus a point and a half in this one. Okay, continuing down the slate here, let's go to the afternoon, and we'll start at 3 p.m. on the CW right after reruns of Dawson's Creek. That's Virginia and Duke. And this Virginia team is a three and a half point dog at home to Virginia. It sounds condescending to say, but I swear, 
this Virginia team has to be the best to win team in the country. They have been in every single game this year. And Duke just has not been the same since the, the injury to Riley Leonard. Duke got off to such a great start this season. They looked so good. Uh, that, that defense was really good, and the defense has con- continued to be good. Uh, but things are just not the same for them. They, they really, outside of last week against North Carolina, where they got into that shootout with their rival, the Tar Heels, that offense has not looked good. I like Virginia in this one. I like Virginia getting the three and a half in this game. Virginia has been pesky against everybody they've played. They've come up short on a few occasions, but they've also gotten a huge win over North Carolina, their first top 10 road win in program history. It's been an emotional year for Virginia coming off everything that happened, uh, all the emotions of that shooting that occurred uh, a season ago and canceling the last few games of last regular season, dealing with the loss of of teammates. And uh, it's been an emotional year for Virginia, but Virginia has battled in every game that they've been in. And uh, I I think this is just, I, I don't think Duke is three and a half points better than them in Charlotte, Charlottesville, given the state, of both of these teams. I am taking Virginia plus the three and a half. And I'm also going to take Virginia as my first leg of my money line parlay of the week. All right. So continuing down the slate here, that's three o'clock on the CW uh, elsewhere at the three thirty time slot. We got Georgia and Tennessee. That's probably the other big game of the week. If you will, at least it's a game involving two ranked teams. Uh, I don't have a play in this one because I just think Georgia, I've been riding Georgia recently. I think they're so good. I think they, them and Michigan are clearly the two best teams in the country. If I had to lean one way or another, it would be Georgia laying the 10 or so. I think it's a 10. Yeah. 10 is what I'm seeing it at right now. That would be the way that I would lean, but I'm not, pumped to go in and lay that right now so i'm going to just stay away from that one that is the big one tennessee coming off a a just they got crushed by missouri and tennessee still you know i feel like is on a good trajectory seven and three after the year they had last year uh even if they go eight and four i feel like it's been so long since tennessee has consistently been an eight plus win program. I, I, I still think they're on a good trajectory here. I just think Georgia's way better than them. Uh, I'm not going to lay the 10, though. I'm going to stay away from this one. Uh, I'm going to go back to the ACC for my next 330 game, and we have North Carolina going on the road against Clemson. And now, I said a couple weeks ago, before Clemson played Notre Dame, I think that Clemson is a team that is being a little bit overlooked because they've had some close losses. I don't think they were as bad as their four and four record said at the time. They've had a lot of turmoil this year and they go out and they get a win over Notre Dame. And now this week they have North Carolina coming into town and look, North Carolina, they get that big win over Duke last week. Uh, That defense still just doesn't look great. You can't trust that defense, but this game to me is similar to what I talked about with Talia Tungavailoa. But with Drake May, Drake May has been a guy who's been he's a no doubt about it, going to have his number retired 
at North Carolina. Well, maybe I shouldn't say no doubt about it because they haven't had a ton of team success. But let's put it this way. Carolina fans are going to remember him for a long, long time, especially as he's playing in the NFL for years and years and years. They dropped those two games in the middle of the season to Virginia uh, and Georgia Tech, and that really crushed their ACC championship hopes, unfortunately. And this is kind of the last big game, really big game, uh, Drake May is going to play at Carolina where it's different from the Maryland and Talia Tunga Valoa situation is it's on the road, but this is about as big as it gets going into death Valley. They do have NC state next week, which I get it's a rivalry. Uh, those fan bases will tell you it's a rivalry and they hate each other, but it's one more chance for Drake May to knock off a quote unquote big boy in the ACC. And I think seven and a half points in this game is too much. I think North Carolina could make this one a shootout. And as good as Clemson's offense has been the last couple of weeks against Notre Dame and Georgia Tech, I still have some questions about can Clemson really win in a shootout? So give me. Carolina here plus seven and a half. And I am also going to add the Tar Heels, the seven and a half point dog as my second leg in my money line parlay of the week. I'm building a bit of a monster here with this money parlay of the week, everybody. All right, let's keep it going and let's get in to the a little bit later afternoon here. Not quite night. Weird time slot here. Five o'clock. Uh, Not the biggest game of the week, but a game that's important for both of these programs. UCF coming off a big win over Oklahoma State goes to Texas Tech, who's coming off a big win over Kansas. These are two five and five teams, both fighting for bowl eligibility. So it's important for both of them from that perspective. And going into last week's game against Oklahoma State and Ollie Gordon, it would have been easy to say... Okay, UCF doesn't has not been stopping the run well. Uh, they don't stop the run well. They're going up against Ollie Gordon, and he's just going to have a field day. However, all of that I felt like was overridden by the the letdown factor for Oklahoma State and going on the road to UCF against a UCF team that I think has been better than their record indicated. UCF goes out and, and they hold Ollie Gordon to twenty five yards on the ground. This week, I think it's a different story. They got to go to Lubbock. They're they're not in the comfort of their own home. It's not the space game. They're not wearing blue uniforms. Uh, Gus Malzahn's not wearing blue shoes like he talked about after the game. And Texas Tech has a really good rushing attack themselves. Texas Tech and this whole Big 12 so many good running backs in this league. The identity has completely shifted from an air raid league to a league of elite running backs. You look at the top 10 running backs in the country as far as rushing yardage on the year, and four of them, Ali Gordon, number one, Taj Brooks from Texas Tech, number five, Jonathan Brooks, who unfortunately is out now out for the season with an ACL tear at number seven, and RJ Harvey from UCF at number nine. Texas Tech can run the football. They've been playing really well since they've got Alan Bowman back 100% healthy. I like Texas Tech minus two and a half in this one to get to bowl eligibility. While Joey McGuire has been the coach at Texas Tech, they have been really good in the month of November, 2-0 this year. And then last year, 
They went undefeated. Uh, they didn't go undefeated in, in the month of November. They lost to TCU, but they won the last three. This is a program and a team that feels like it's finishing strong. It feels like it's finishing on the right foot. I can't believe I said their quarterback is Alan Bowman. I realized that brain fart. <laughs> As I as I was just going through that, Alan Bowman, of course, at Oklahoma State, their starting quarterback. Alan Bowman was the quarterback at Texas Tech at one point in time a few years ago. Uh, I, I, of course, am talking about Baron Morton, who is now back healthy for the Red Raiders. Baron Morton, you know, uh, ha- has been a guy who battled through a lot of injuries this year, but is now fully healthy. And uh, I think as long as he is fully healthy, they have that running game in Taj Brooks. They're playing really well. And I think Texas Tech is going to finish strong here. They have Texas next week. So there's a lot riding on this one to get to bowl eligibility. Not that they couldn't upset the Longhorns. They could. But look, if you're looking at it objectively, their best chance to get to bowl eligibility is going to be this game, this week against UCF. I like Texas Tech to run it down their throat. Give me Texas Tech minus two and a half as a short favorite at home. All right, let's get in to the prime time games. And to me, the biggest game of the day is a game out West in the Pac-12. Oregon State and Washington State won a huge court ruling earlier this week uh, that essentially gives them control of a lot of the uh, of the money in the Pac-12 against those other 10 teams that are leaving it was a huge ruling from a, a financial perspective and uh I personally I think I was I was happy to see it because Oregon State and Washington State are are getting screwed in this whole situation but now they have a game on the field and Oregon State is very much still in position to possibly go into and win the Pac-12 championship because they have Washington this week and then they have Oregon next week. And if they win both of those games, they will be in the Pac-12 championship game. They completely control their destiny here. Uh, At least I think as far as tiebreakers go, because if they win, if they win these two games, They will have two losses in conference, and then Oregon will also have two losses in conference. I guess the only wrench there would be Arizona, who could win out and finish with two losses as well. Oh, so you know what? I got to look at the tiebreakers. It's a good thing I looked at this because Oregon State did lose to Arizona. So maybe it's Arizona that's really in position to take advantage if Oregon State can pull a couple upsets. So got to follow back on that and see what all the tiebreakers are. It's tiebreaker season right now, especially in the Big 12 and apparently possibly the Pac-12 too. So got to check back on that one and what the tiebreaking procedures are. But Oregon State can finish tied for second. If Arizona dropped one uh, and they won out, yes, they definitely would be in the Pac-12 championship game. I got to check on what the the three-way tiebreaker would be between Oregon, Oregon State, and Arizona. But nevertheless, they have a huge game this week against one of those departing big boys, one of those schools that is still fighting for a national championship, and that's Washington. The 10-0 Huskies come into Corvallis. And Washington has been scraping by. Ever since that Oregon game, Oregon has looked like the much better team, despite the fact that Oregon beat them. And 
you know, we've talked week after week, like, what is it? Are, are they just out of gas? Are they out of energy? Can they refocus? Can they bounce back? Um, and their, their defense, the way their defense is played, has been really concerning to me. I really like the way Oregon State can run the football. It's not something that Washington defends really well. If you're not following Parker Fleming on Twitter at Stats War, he is great. He does great advanced stats previews every week on Twitter. He posts them all on Twitter for free. Uh, he, he's an awesome resource. But I was looking at his chart for Washington, Oregon State, and when you look at uh, when you look at their off the off Oregon State offense versus the Washington defense. Oregon State is ninth nationally in EPA per rush, and EPA means expected points added. It essentially kind of translates, you know, how how much more likely were you to score based on that play? Bottom line, Oregon State has a very strong rushing attack. Washington does not have a very good defense. 69th nationally in EPA per rush on the defensive side. Oregon State also very good at moving the ball into scoring position and then converting once they're there. I really like Oregon State in this game to control the flow of the game. I I think they are going to run the ball very well. I think they are going to run the ball a lot. I think they are going to keep Michael Penix and that Washington offense off the field. So I have a couple plays in this game. I am going to play Washington, Oregon state under 62 and a half, just exactly for that reason. And then I'm going to play Oregon state minus one. Look, I have all these Washington futures out there. Uh, I, the easy thing to do would just be like, I'm not going to play this game because I don't want to go against my Washington futures, but I, I do strongly believe that Washington is due for a letdown. Uh, I think they've been close. They've been teetering on the edge. I just don't think they've played anybody who can really take advantage. And I think Oregon State is the best team they've played since that Oregon game. And I I think they are just going to have a lot of success running the ball and really control the flow and the tempo of this game. And... That's why I like the under. That's why I like Oregon State here. Uh, I guess it could be a little bit of a hedge, not really against my 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 Washington stuff, but I don't know. It's one of those times where I'm just like, yeah, I, I guess I guess I could just let that ride, but I, I feel really strongly. I'm not going to cost myself money because I have I did something earlier in the season. Uh, just because I have. Washington plus 650 to make the the CFP just because I have Washington plus 375 to win the conference. Like I'm not going to cost myself money because I'm hoping that will happen when I see something that I, that I think has value. And I I think Oregon state uh, is going to win this game. I think that they are the best team Washington has played since Oregon. They are the most complete team Washington has played since Oregon. And I think they go out and win this game. The one thing that does concern me here is Oregon State's secondary, but that's why it's going to be so important for them to just 
control the clock, control the game, run the ball, and honestly, maybe at times not score too quickly. I I actually think that's going to be a very important part of this game. This will also be my last leg on my money line parlay of the week, Oregon State. So it'll be UVA, North Carolina, and Oregon State. That comes out to a whopping plus 1501, just over 15 to 1 odds. So it's a little bit of a bomb there. All right, my last game that I'm betting today, and I have three plays in this game, is Texas going to Iowa State. Texas is a seven and a half point favorite in this game. And the thing that I trust most in this game is that the Texas defensive line is absolutely going to dominate. They are not going to let Iowa State run the ball at all. There's a lot of really good rushing attacks in the Big 12. Iowa State's is not elite. It's okay. It, it maybe even good at times. Certainly very good last week uh, when they ran all over BYU. But it's also a running attack that has had trouble at times. You look at that Kansas game, for example, and in that game, Kansas held Iowa State to 2.6 yards per carry, 75 total rushing yards in that game. If there's one thing that I've been impressed by with Texas week in and week out, it's that defensive line and their ability to stop the run. So because of that, My first bet in this game is going to be Iowa State running back Eli Sanders under 44 and a half rushing yards. Now, uh, you look at that Iowa State rushing attack, and first off, they, they use a bunch of guys. Yeah, Eli Sanders is the guy who has gotten the most carries on the year. He's their leading rusher on the year, but they also use Cartavius Norton. And then last week, Abu Sama looked fantastic against BYU. So I I think you're going to see a split in carries among those guys. I I don't think you're going to see Sanders get like 20 carries or anything like that. Is it one of the first reasons I really like that under 44 and a half bet? Second, I think, Texas is just going to shut down the run. And third, I think as they do that, you might see Iowa State say like, okay, we just have to throw the ball. Any team that's had success offensively against Texas this year, it's been because they are throwing the ball. And I think Iowa State, Matt Campbell, that that coaching staff is going to be smart enough to realize at some point, like this just isn't working with the run. Uh, They they watch the film. They see that other teams have had success and they're going to see what they can do through the air. So I really like that Eli Sanders under 44 and a half rushing yards. I also like the Iowa state team total under 19 and a half. Again, the Texas defense, particularly that offense or that defensive line rather is the unit that I trust most in this game. And I think this is a little bit of a sell high spot on Iowa State's offense as well because they put up huge numbers against BYU last week. They scored 45 points on them. But BYU is a little bit, I mean, they're not a little bit. They are very, very banged up. And at this point, like, I just don't think you can put that much stock in what they did against BYU. Again, I would go back two weeks to what they did against Kansas, only scoring 21 points in that game. And then I would go back even further Uh, to their game against Oklahoma where they only scored 20 points and that's a team with similar talent to Texas. So I don't love this Iowa State offense 
against a, a really elite defensive unit there. Give me under 19 and a half total points for Iowa State in this one. And look, don't get me wrong. Everything Matt Campbell has done at Iowa State this year has been great. It's been impressive. The fact that they are going to be playing in a bowl game is a huge accomplishment. After missing a bowl last year and then having everything they went through this offseason with the gambling scandal and they lose their starting quarterback and Rocco Becht has been admirable, but I just don't think this Iowa State team is quite there yet on the level of Texas, which brings me to my last bet. Give me the Longhorns minus seven and a half. Every week it feels like Texas is looks like a national title contender for three quarters and can't quite finish the job off. I do think this is the week that they really finish that job off. You had a Iowa state offensive lineman during the week, talking some trash saying that they had big egos and they needed to be, uh, that they, that needed to be checked that, uh, Texas hasn't done well playing Iowa state that, Iowa State has a distaste in their mouth for Texas. So I think there's going to be some motivation there. Uh, I think this is the week where they really do put it all together for four quarters and they win this game. They are going to be without Jonathan Brooks, who's had a great season running the ball, but they are able to plug in CJ Baxter, who I think will fill in well for him. And then when you just look at the offensive weapons, you know, Quinn yours is now more healthy. He, he he's uh, now in his second, going to be in his second week back from injury and Xavier worthy and AD Mitchell on the outside have been guys who are super impressive. The one worry here with Texas minus seven and a half is can they punch the ball in? Can they score in the red zone? That has been the one thing that's really, uh, really held them back this year on the offensive side. Again, I'm going to go and reference Parker Fleming stats of war on Twitter. He has this metric called points per echo, which essentially means uh, when you get into scoring position, how often do you score? How many points do you score on average when you get into scoring position and they are 92nd in the country in points per echo. That's not very good. That's the one thing that scares me about this Texas offense. And the one thing that scares me about minus seven and a half, but I do think the Texas defense dominates this game. So my three bets in this game, again, Texas minus seven and a half Iowa state team total under 19 and a half and Iowa state running back Eli Sanders under 44 and a half rushing yards in this game. Okay. Those are all of my week 12 picks before we get out of here. I do have one college basketball pick for tonight, and we are going to have a lot more college basketball talk coming up here, especially early next week. As we get into feast week, we have all these great conference or not conference tournaments. We have all these great non-conference tournaments around Thanksgiving time. Uh, It's one of my favorite weeks of the year when we have all these tournaments and then you have the last week of the college football season with national title conference title implications. It's, it's a wonderland if you are a college sports fan and my one basketball play of the day is going to be in the Utah Houston game. And I am going to take the Utah team total under 61 and a half. I think it's a little bit inflated there because last night Utah goes and they get a really nice win, a 77-70 win over Wake Forest. But in that game, they shot 40% from three. 
Utah has been lights out this season in three games from the three-point line, shooting 40% on the year. And their first couple of games, like, look, they just weren't against competition really worth talking about. I mean, against Eastern Washington, they go 44% from outside the arc. And then they play UC Riverside, where they go, uh, they drop down a little bit, but 35%, still a good number. And then last week, last night against Wake Forest, they go for 40%. Again, uh, if you look at Houston and what they did last year, everybody knows Houston is known for defense. Last year, Houston was the second best team in the country at defending the three. They held opponents to just under 28% from behind the arc. This season, they are off to a great start defensively, although they also have not really played anybody worth talking about. They haven't even played anybody of Wake Forest caliber, but they have held their opponents to 31, 50, 48, and 49. So nobody has scored over 50 points against Houston this season. Uh, They are off to a fantastic start on the year. If you look back at last season, only two teams broke that 61 and a half point barrier on them in the first two months of the season. That was Alabama. And they put up 71 on Houston in a 71 65 win. And then the other game, who was it here? Uh, UCF UCF put up 65 on new year's Eve against Houston. So uh, not, not very often teams break that threshold. I think it's a little bit inflated because of how well they've shot from three. I expect Houston to bring them back down to earth a little bit there. So give me Utah team total under 61 and a half and some hoops action tonight under 61 and a half against Houston. Uh, And that bet will be to win a half unit. That's our show for today. Can't wait to watch all of the football and basketball this weekend and then break it all down with you when it's done. Until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold.